When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Sometimes life is not fair, and it certainly wasn't on day 11 for the likes of Tunisia and Mexico who won, whilst some snuck in through the back door, like Poland. We saw the best of Argentina, we saw something completely different from France, but in the end, we have somehow, somewhere, got eight of our last 16 participants we've got half of our last 16 matches and we're going to talk you through group c and d let us get stuck in Just a wee reminder that, yes, we are here on the Sports Social Podcast Network, anywhere where you get your podcast, as well as YouTube, with the World Cup Daily Podcast at 5am every single day during the World Cup. And uh, we are also on Patreon with the Great Games Podcast every single day as well, with uh, great games from the history of World Cup, pretty much. And on YouTube, we have got Combined 11s and Predictors, on YouTube Shorts, we have Football Manager International Challenges as well, and we have Alternate Football Universes also on YouTube. So let's get stuck straight into the absolute mayhem that was <laughs> Group C um, between Poland and Argentina, as well as Saudi Arabia and Mexico. And Argentina, despite that hiccup to start things, have finally got going and... For me, their win against Poland, finally back to something that you'd call 
Argentina. And another 2-0 win sends them top as Poland somehow cling on to the edge of their seats in second place, whilst Mexico were a goal away. Well, two goals really, considering that the yellow card rule may have done for them, which would have been incredibly unfair, not fair play whatsoever, as uh, FIFA call it in the tiebreakers. And meanwhile, Saudi Arabia, they bowed out without adding to their three points they gained over Argentina and finished rock bottom, as many would have expected, but not in, not quite the way that they uh, that they did it. So let's go to Poland versus Argentina. Enzo Fernandez bagged himself a starting 11 berth after that stunning goal. So too did Julian Alvarez with my personal pick for golden boot, Lattaro Martinez, on the bench. That bet is... Uh, Firmly down the drain, I would uh, I would have suspected at this stage in proceedings. Meanwhile, just one change for Poland. Zvidersky heading back to more of a 4-5-1 for Poland after that run out for Arkadius Milik. And uh, boy, could they have done with Milik. But first, let's may as well delve into uh, Messi and Argentina. It could have been, could have been, if cause went differently, it could have been Messi's final World Cup game. But... It wasn't, and he was, of course, at his effervescent best. The first chance comes from Messi at the near post, saved, and um, my notes here, I've put, it's going to be that type of game, and it essentially was. It was the Messi show. The first half, Poland barely got a sniff, really. They had, uh, maybe it was the first five minutes were a bit half and half, but uh, as soon as the game settled down into a pattern, it was... Messi versus Poland, it was Argentina's attack versus Poland's nine-man defence plus the goalkeeper. And Messi was continuing to carve out chances. He carved out uh, room to find uh, Marcos Acuna down the left. He fired over and uh, fired one across Chesney's goal as well, the left back. And he was causing big problems, creating that width, allowing the likes of... Uh, Alvarez as well to uh, come more inside and more central. And uh, I thought Rodrigo de Paul had a good game. He broke the lines fairly well, provided a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, whip. So too did uh, Alexis McAllister, which, um, as I mentioned, allowed Julian Alvarez to tuck in and be more central, which of course allowed the maestro himself, Lionel Messi, to drop deep as he as he prefers to do these days, as he's preferred to do for quite a number of days, and uh, dictate play, which he, of course, did. Argentina, the one negative, really, apart from, obviously, the, the penalty miss, which uh, was a, a less so a, a Lionel Messi miss, in my opinion, than a superb save from Wojciech Szczesny. It's not a it's not a fluke when he'd saved the penalty against Saudi Arabia the uh, previous match day. And perhaps for those saves alone, that's why Poland are in the last 16 and Mexico aren't, because Poland were far worse. They've been the weaker team in all three of their group matches. They missed a penalty of their own against Mexico, which was fairly soft. They were very fortunate against Saudi Arabia. They should have... Uh, ridden on the coattails of the Argentina win, got something out of that and then been in with a chance of uh, qualifying tonight. But uh, it wasn't to be for them. And uh, mainly this was Poland mainly hoping for favours from elsewhere to uh, keep themselves in this tournament, essentially. And um, you've got Julian Alvarez, got, his movement is absolutely superb. He's, he moves back and almost stands still to create space for himself for a chance, which gets blocked. He's running on the shoulder of defenders to carve out an opportunity as well. He's shifting the ball off his out of his feet onto his left foot to get a shot away. All this in the first half as well. And uh, he's easily... 
um, Argentina's most dangerous player in the first half. And of course, he scores uh, one of the goals. He scores the second goal, doesn't he, to pretty much confirm Argentina's place as group winners, which I uh, did allude to as soon as that Saudi Arabia defeat happened. It was going to be... Uh, Pretty foolish to write off Argentina after what was, um, a, let's we can call it now a freak of a game, really, can't we? And um, of course, the the first half was uh, centered around the missed penalty by Lionel Messi. I thought it was pretty much justice because uh, if Ronaldo's penalty against Ghana was soft, so too was this. No, not neither of them were penalties in my uh, in my book. And uh, Chesney continued his. Uh, He's good form from 12 yards. Poland, I felt that whilst they weren't scared to press in the first few minutes, that quickly died off. <laughs> that quickly died off. And Swiderski, who was pressing at first in a 4-4-2 alongside Lewandowski, quickly retreated to a 4-5-1 as Argentina grabbed all of the game. And by that point, Lewandowski cut a very lonesome figure at top. He was very isolated. He was no longer getting into the channels, looking dangerous. The, the service to him was... Shoddy, just as there was no third man runs to for him to find anybody with any any kind of dangerous pass, and that pretty much sums up Poland to a T. I think they really could have done with a second man up there, and maybe take the the hit for a player um, in defence and be a little bit more adventurous. This Poland team has not been remotely adventurous, and if you think about all the times where they've been successful in the past at World Cups, nineteen seventy four, nineteen eighty two. They were playing some of the best football at those tournaments alongside your Brazil's, West Germany's, Netherlands. And here they're just a shell. They're going to be a team probably like they were in the 1986 tournament, which is ironically when they were, they were last qualified for the last 16, where they're just forgotten about and meekly leave the tournament after a thrashing. Then it was, I think it was 4-0 against Brazil. They've got France now. So, spoilers for later on, but not really a spoiler. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's not a very good Poland team. They've probably benefited from Mexico coming to life a little too late in this tournament. And Poland, they didn't really attempt to hit back after the McAllister goal, which came in after... Really, Poland start the second half incredibly sloppily. Kamil Glick had a header from a set piece, um, and that's the beginning and end of Poland's chances in the second half, really. Um, to be fair, set pieces did look like the best avenue for Poland, really the only avenue for Poland. Um, Argentina, they did drop in. They uh, switched up uh, Leandro Paredes for Angel Di Maria, and uh, Rodrigo de Paul moved out wide in, in more of a 4-4-2, and uh, they looked quite good. And they, to be fair, the game was opening up because Poland needed something. It was only when Argentina got the second goal that uh, that Poland gave up and allowed fate to uh, to help them out. And uh, we'll go on to Saudi Arabia one, Mexico two, shall we? So I'm back. He was back. Okay, I guess uh, for the Saudi Arabians, uh, Martin was back for uh, for Mexico and Pineda was in as well as the number ten position. A very attacking lineup for Mexico. They dropped a, a midfielder and uh, essentially played four two four the entire game. Although it was probably more so four two three one, and they were very front footed. Alexis Vega was taken off at halftime, but I thought first half he was very dangerous, just as he had been really throughout the uh, the first three games of this tournament. He tucked in um, for a clear cut chance one. On one, but the keeper did quite well to uh, to thwart him. He's making himself a bit of a nuisance, winning the ball high up as well, and easily the best Mexican player for me at this World Cup. They were 
they were doing something that they hadn't done in prior games. That's getting people into the box. The defensive line was high and um, Hervin Lozano was getting into the box in more central areas and not being on the right as he was in the first game against Poland, which was a massive misstep by uh, Tata Martino, in my opinion. And he was always on the shoulder of um, another aggressive Saudi Arabian defensive line. And um, really, Mexico were very good in the first half, but like Argentina, couldn't find a uh, couldn't find a breakthrough. You got Pineda testing the goalkeeper quite often, and uh, his presence as a number 10 was causing... Uh, problems for Saudi Arabia diving header from Lozano which was thwarted as well and they finally got their goals in the first seven eight minutes in the second half it was a quick start to the second half for Mexico just as it was for uh, for Argentina uh, a Martin flick on from a set piece and a second goal came from a free kick a stunning free kick might just edge Marcus Rashford's from the previous night, really. Luis Chavez. And really, Mexico scored two goals, two from set pieces, none from open play. And that may sum up their game. They had chance after chance after chance. Saudi Arabia's defensive line, as they had to come out, was faltering a little bit, although it did recover in the last 10, 15 minutes as they, uh, the Mexicans had two disallowed goals, which were fairly clear. A bit like um, when Argentina just fell foul consistently of um, of that defensive line. And when the game opened up, Saudi Arabia, they looked as though they could cause problems in the first half. You had um, Abdul Hamid drove from midfield. Um, Mohamed Cano as well did the same. But Mexico, they, they looked as though they were going to score every single time they went forward, whereas Saudi Arabia, they were a bit more timid. And to be fair, Saudi Arabia only scored when, obviously, 95th minute bodies flooded forward from Saudi Arabia. But even then, on goals scored, Mexico would have taken it if they'd have found a goal in stoppage time. They weren't able to do so. And for the first time in uh, in uh, eight World Cups, Mexico will not be at the last 16. The One of the more longer-lasting statistics, sequences, is over. And uh, we may be talking about another sequence with Japan later on, and maybe that is over as well. But uh, for the time being, we'll uh, we'll leave you with Group D after this shot. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
brick. Welcome back. So after all that mayhem from Group Z, we had Group D to contend with, which of course took place earlier on in the day and uh, sprung to enormous, enormous surprises. Now before, of, of course, before all this happened, this World Cup stuff, we all penciled in France and Denmark quite uh, rigorously in pen as opposed to pencil. Now France are there despite that World Cup group stage curse lingering over them, which they've, of course, banished. But Denmark, well, the headlines are they're out. Not only are they out, but they are bottom of the pile with the Socceroos bouncing over them, leapfrogging over them, <laughs> bouncing straight into the uh, into the last 16. Unfortunately for Tunisia, who got perhaps their greatest ever win at a World Cup as well, um, they are unfortunately uh, out of the World Cup, despite that wonderful 1-0 win. And it was two games, really, based on a lot of rear guard action, a lot of defensive work, more so Australia than Tunisia. Tunisia were uh, a lot more comfortable than you would expect, but then again, it wasn't uh, wasn't the strongest 11 put out by Didier Deschamps, and uh, nor should it be, really, when they had to be really a cataclysmic series of of events for France to uh, to not get first position after this uh, set of fixtures. But regardless, let's go to the bigger game in Group D, inarguably, and it was Australia versus Denmark. Winner take all, unless Australia drew, and then uh, they'd have to sweat it out to hear news from uh, the other game in Tunisia because of their woeful goal difference record. And the team news came in, Australia largely unchanged, Denmark include the likes of Scove Olsen, who's back in, Martin Brathwaite was in, which really showed the indecision of Casper uh, Hulman, the the manager, that's a third striker, third different striker they've started with. And you had uh, Matthias Jensen in and a back four, which Changing throughout the tournament, um, I don't think is a bad thing by any means, um, particularly when they, they were pretty sure what Australia were going to bring. They would hold out, probably deliver a, a sucker punch or two, or at least attempt to, and uh, Denmark could capitalise on that and probably control the game. And to be fair, Denmark, well, that's exactly how the game went, wasn't it? Um, for the first half, they looked pretty lively, probably the best they'd played all tournament. They were... Extremely wide, yes, but Lindstrom was uh, was on the left. Skov Olsen was uh, was on the right, and Matthias Jensen was sort of in this fleeting number ten role. He'd often be joined by Christian Eriksen, who looked to dictate the pace. But uh, it was it was nice. Transitional football was pretty good. Obviously, it was the both the uh, wingers, Skov Olsen and Lindstrom, they were uh, combining, combined for the first chance. Matthias Jensen would drift out to the right to uh, team up. With Scove Olsen, whilst the width on the left was uh, added to by Joachim Myler, of course we know, loves to uh, loves to bomb on. Um, forced, the left-back forced Matt Ryan into a bizarre double leg save. He kicked it from one leg onto the other and just about got it cleared. And really, it was one of the only bits of desperate defending Australia had to do in the first half. Of course, that would come in the second half. But by the time that, that, that came around, Denmark had become... Slow, turgid, sloppy, like they had been against Tunisia for the most part, where it was nil-nil. Um, they picked the game up against France, I thought, um, second game. Um, but again, from open play, delivered absolutely nothing. Their only goal of this championships comes from Andreas Christensen from a uh, from a corner, which 
probably tells you everything you need to know about Denmark at this tournament. They are uh, very uh, profligate in front of goal. They uh, completely off the boil going forward. And that's even with the likes of Mikkel Damsgaard coming on, Kasper Dahlberg as well. They had plenty of the ball. There was just no cutting edge. Nobody really to stick in the chances. Cornelius was thrown on in the last. They finished with about five, six attackers and on the pitch, couldn't do anything about it. Um, only a really minor threat from set pieces in the second half. But instead of downplaying Denmark, I think we should big up the underdog, which is Australia. And they were pinned back for large portions of this match. They knew they would be anyway. Um, but obviously with the uh, with the get out of the two quick wingers in Goodwin and Lecky, who uh, combined for, well, they combined for the first goal of this tournament for Australia, which uh, which was the uh, the opener against France, and of course Mitchell Duke in the middle, who got the uh, the cross um, connected with the cross for the uh, for the winner against Tunisia, and it was a very different goal that they scored here. Um, regardless, it probably helped Australia that uh, that both teams played or opted to play a four two three one. Denmark were trouble on the uh, on the counter press, but only very fleetingly. Only in really in the first half. In the second half, I felt uh, Australia. They came into the game a bit more. They, they momentarily Tunisia were second in the group because they had scored. Don't worry, we'll get onto that match in a minute. And uh, Australia needed a goal, and it just seemed to come like that a minute or two later, as though they'd been told, and they just went, "All right, we'll just go upfield now, score, run through the." Uh, <laughs> through the Danish defence, which, of course, Matthew Leckie does. Of course, it was going to come from a counter. If it wasn't going to come from a counter, it was going to come through a cross and a, and a decent enough header and a very good, comp- very well-composed finish by uh, Leckie. And then, obviously, then it comes... They don't need, they don't need to, to look out for any other results, Australia, with the win because Tunisia couldn't do anything to harm. They could have perhaps gone for four, five, and six, but that's a bit ludicrous and very unrealistic. And in order to get top spot, I was secretly praying for that to happen, Um, maybe with uh, England in mind more so than Australia. Uh, But regardless, uh, they dropped into a 4-4-2 and then... That devolved into a 5-4-1 when the lead was uh, was gained. And can you blame them? No, not really. Harry Suter was incredible, absolutely incredible. Man of the match by a, a country mile. The fullbacks were very imperious as well. Going forward, they were okay as well. And defensively, they were fine, brilliant. Every single one of them in a uh, in a yellow shirt was brilliant. Now we did mention at the. Uh, at the start of the previews for this tournament that Australia have probably got outside of Qatar, obviously, the most experience playing in Qatar because not only did they uh, qualify for this tournament in June uh, in Qatar, but they've played quite a lot of their qualifier games in Qatar as well because of... uh, COVID restrictions in their homeland, so maybe that has helped. Maybe it'll help them going forward. Now I'm recording this before they've found out who their last 16 opponent is. Maybe it's France, maybe it's Poland, maybe it's Saudi Arabia, who knows. Um, Regardless, only a second ever qualification to the knockout phase for Australia and um, first win against European opposition in the World Cup since... uh, a meaningless 2-1 win over Serbia. And speaking of meaningless, fruitless wins, we go, sadly, to Tunisia, who beat France 1-0 in another great display, probably more so for their opposition's 
inability to really have the desire to go and get a uh, go and get a win. Wabi Kashi started his first game of the championships for Tunisia, whilst Ben Slomani was back into the fold. Meanwhile, for France, they reverted to a back three, and only Rafa Varane, who you've got to understand. Uh, Getting some minutes under his belt in in pre- preparation for the for the knockouts and Aurelien Chouameni was uh, also retained. Um, of course, the contrasting needs dictated how this game went. There was an, a huge early warning sign for France with the offside from a free kick just about offside. It was a brilliant finish as well from the uh, I think his defender and um, unfortunately Tunisia had to go again. To be fair, France, they played exactly like you'd expect. They played like a team who had changed a lot of their players. They played like a team that were already top and almost certainly guaranteed of that position. And Tunisia, well, they were always going to be fueled by the backing of their fans that come in their droves for all three games, to be fair to them. And they had something to fight for because they probably would have thought or expected that Denmark could get something out of Australia. Of course, they couldn't. Um, and it would have made for an incredible grandstand finish and a second African team through to the last 16, and that's only ever happened once, and that was in 2014, of course. France just simply didn't have the desire, the defence, they looked strangers to one another, sloppy in possession, they were in procession mode, really. Well, I think the first shot came in the 25th minute, and it came from two poor touches from Kingsley Coman and a shot which drifted harmlessly wide and they only really came into the fall when uh, Kylian Mbappe was summoned on from the bench Antoine Griezmann came on from the bench as well at uh, Tunisia they did look a lot better going forward with Ben Slimani and Wabi Kazri the two uh, standout changes for this match and his goal was absolutely magnificent of course you, you got to say that uh, Yusuf Fafana should have really uh well, played to the whistle, really. Um, but regardless, um, Kazri picked up the ball, ran through a couple of French players, squeezed it in on the uh, far post. A similar similar style finish to uh, Matthew Leckie there and uh, in the other game. France never really got out of first gear. They didn't really need to. And uh, for Tunisia, it's bittersweet, the most bittersweet, really. Because on one hand, it's their greatest World Cup winning, perhaps their best showing in a World Cup since 1978 when they unfortunately uh, lost to West Germany in the final game to stop them from qualifying for the uh, for the knockouts. That was, of course, after winning their first ever World Cup game against Mexico earlier on in that tournament and they've not got as close to the last 16 or knockout phase since and uh, this was their big chance here and unfortunately just could not rely on others to do uh, half the job for them and really the uh, the loss against Australia now absolutely crucial of course um, for Tunisia regardless of course it will uh, be uh, heavily celebrated with uh, retrospect but with the uh, the slight tinge that Tunisia this was their big chance to uh, to qualify for the last 16 and Antoine Griezmann looked as though he'd spared some French blushes, uh, thrashing a, a 98th minute leveller would have been. And the full-time whistle was blown. I was all ready to uh, come and record. And then, because uh, I had this game on mute, I had the other game on the sound because it was a more important game, um, in my opinion. Well, certainly was. Um, I noticed things. the scenes looked a bit weird. Like They do tend to have a little bit of a more long-drawn-out um, conclusion um, after the final whistle when a team's been knocked out. So, say, for example, Wales last night. And um, they do linger around them, but this felt a little bit different. 
Um, and then obviously the referee goes to the VAR and it's a, pretty much a reversal of Bruno Fernandez's penalty for Manchester United against Brighton in the Premier League during the pandemic. It was full-time, 2-2 to, to Man United Brighton and then VAR and then the penalty gets given to Manchester United. They score, obviously the reverse happens here. Full-time whistle's blown, the referee goes to VAR, sees the offside, the encroachment from Griezmann and then obviously... He's impacted the uh, defender, having to head it away to him, and then he finishes. And then they get given the goal taken away. The goal was taken away from them. So you got the Tunisian Bruno Fernandes there, uh, the reverse Tunisian Bruno Fernandes. And as a result, I think, really, it, it would have been incredibly... It's already harsh for Tunisia to be going out, because I think both Australia and Tunisia, and France, let's be fair, um, they all deserve to go through if they were in other groups. They probably... Tunisia would have done. Um, so just to give them a little bit of something to hold on to, I think I don't think the French would be able to begrudge them that. <laughs> He's not going to stop. It's not going to stop France's momentum. We've seen that in tournaments gone by. I, I know we hark back to England quite a lot, but the, the the example is perfect. When England changed a lot of their players, they lost the last game against Belgium in the 2018 tournament. Didn't harm their momentum. You should expect that France, uh, with everybody to uh, to return to the fold, should be able to do likewise in the last 16, where they could be moving forward a potential quarterfinal against England or potential quarterfinal against Senegal, equally as mouthwatering for the French. I would have uh, I would have expected. So with that out of the way, it's time to preview. Two more groups, and of course, the four matches that we are being blessed with today on day 12. So, join us after this short break. And welcome back. Group E, we've got Japan versus Spain, we've got Costa Rica versus Germany, and this is how Group E lies. Spain atop on four points. Japan and Costa Rica have both got three, of course, with Costa Rica with that mind-numbingly bad goal difference of minus six. Meanwhile, Germany have got one point. So essentially, this is what needs to happen. Germany need a win, and they also need Spanish favours, which would be, well, they have to expect that. And Spain don't have the luxury of being able to rest players, which um, does help Germany somewhat. Uh, Spain ultimately need a point to qualify and a win for top spots um, because, let's be fair, this is the 2022 World Cup. Costa Rica could beat Germany and if Spain draw with Japan, then Spain are in for uh, maybe a frightful last 16 and uh, horrible half of the draw is what it looks at the minute. Uh, regardless, Spain and Germany are favourites, but, um, well, <laughs> what does that mean in this group? Most of the games have been shocks really, outside of Spain 7, Costa Rica 0, maybe the draw between Spain and Germany, I think the rest have all been shocks, so I think Japan's game, as I mentioned a couple of days ago, Japan's game suits being the underdogs, and Spain are not through by any means, this could quite easily become a a tricky situation for Spain, but to be fair, their goal difference should count towards them if you look at Germany and there will be resounding favourites against Costa Rica. So a Germany win and a Japan win, probably, I, I emphasise the probably bit there, <laughs> probably would see uh, 
Germany out despite the win if Japan can do what they did to uh, to Germany, to Spain. Now, you don't often get a couple of mesmeric shocks like that. Of course, Japan's neighbours and rivals South Korea did manage that against Spain and Italy, uh, perhaps under more nefarious means than what Japan are capable of here in Qatar. Um, I can't see Costa Rica holding out Germany either. Um, I've got a bit more hope for Japan springing a surprise, so we could be in for a fairly entertaining uh, Group E's final day there, although... I, I tend to think that it probably will be Spain and Germany through. I say that with a sadness in my voice, um, but after such early promise from Japan, I don't know. It's, it's going to be um, it's going to be difficult for Spain, but I think they'll just about. I think because they're not qualified, I think that um, it harms Japan completely heading into this match because they'll have to come out and play, which in a roundabout sort of way could help them as well. Um, being the underdogs, being the pressing counter-attacking team that uh, they obviously were against Germany. It worked well for them in the second half there. And we go to Group F, where Croatia meet Belgium, Canada meet Morocco. And the state of affairs here sees Croatia on four, Morocco on four, Belgium on three, and Canada already sadly eliminated on zero. That last-minute goal for Croatia, that fourth in a 4-1 win over Canada, could prove crucial yet, because with that result... Uh, with that final goal, their goal difference, they're top now. And uh, Morocco going out, um, he's got very, well, maybe a little, little bit more jeopardy because of that fourth goal. But because of uh, their goal difference and Canada, will they be able to thrash Morocco and Belgium just get something against Croatia? I would say that's fairly unlikely, certainly the Canada end of things. Um, as we mentioned, it's pretty harsh on... Uh, Tunisia going out and with Canada being a breath of fresh air this tournament it's kind of harsh that we're bidding goodbye to them this early but um, that is football heritage as they say or heritage but based on form based on the small um, pool that we've got to choose from the uh, the unlucky team does set to be Belgium although it, everything's simple for all three teams here it's essentially for, for Morocco, it's get a point and you're through. For Croatia, it's the same. For Belgium, it's a win. So nothing really uh, outside of that needs to be said, really. Um, Belgium, I think, will will probably toil in this game against Croatia. The midfield will of Croatia, as we saw it, to devastating effects on uh, the other day against Canada. I think they'll perform exactly the same tricks against Belgium, and Belgium will be... Uh, kind of run ragged, um, despite Canada's um, lack of a real goal scorer. I do think if uh, Zlatko Dalic plays Andre Kramaric from the right, I think they'll get a lot of joy, particularly in that half space. Um, and uh, Roberto Martinez has got a lot to think about in terms of his team selection, coming off the back, of course, of a shoddy win over Canada and uh, an even shoddier defeat to Morocco. And again, Morocco, it's uh, their late goal crucial as well in terms of the uh, the goal difference, particularly with uh, with Belgium. Canada hunting for pride. They could prove um, somewhat of a fawn in uh, Morocco's side, but I don't think uh, they'll be able to rack up the win necessary to eliminate Morocco. They may win, they may well win, but uh, I have a uh, feeling that uh, Morocco will be through either way, and uh, this will be the first knockout stage game of football next week that Morocco will have played. In the World Cup since 1986, of course, where they took West Germany to the brink of extra time. 
And uh, we'll be covering all four of those games in tomorrow's podcast. So thank you very much for listening, for watching. And until then, thank you and silly. Up the three lions. Podcast Network. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.